We are just over 24 hours away from the 2023 NFL Draft. So naturally, it's right to talk about the Sun Devils prospects that are entering this year on this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. You are Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Richie Bradshaw, and I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. As always, thank you guys for tuning in wherever you're getting your podcast. Make sure you hit like and subscribe and turn on notifications so you get an update whenever we post new content. Stay in touch with that content by following me on Twitter, RichieBrads36, and the podcast as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. Let's not waste any time. Very little need for an introduction here. We're looking at the Sun Devils prospects entering the 2023 NFL draft. There's not a ton of like game-breaking talents entering the draft for the Sun Devils this year. In fact, there's really only two players that I think are like going to be drafted. Obviously, I want to see all our guys get drafted. Don't get me wrong. But there's only 260 picks, maybe even a little less for this year's draft and the majority of those picks aren't going to be Sun Devils. I do feel confident about two guys and that's where we're going to start the conversation talking about those two guys. And then don't worry, I am going to highlight a small handful of other guys that we need to watch during the process or at a minimum as undrafted free agents. We start our journey with the Sun Devil who is projected to be the highest pick, the senior bowl player and the combine invite, the lone combine invite for the Sun Devils, Nesta Jade Silvera. Now, Silvera only got to play one year with the Sun Devils. He previously was with Miami, was a full-time starter for two seasons there, comes to Arizona State, once again a full-time starter and a difference maker. Uh, for those of you that aren't aware, his measurables are at six foot two, 304 pounds. He is a defensive tackle through and through, probably a nose tackle at the next level. For the career stats, he ended up recording 161 tackles, 62 solo, 99 assisted tackles there, 20 and a half TFLs, and three and a half sacks. In 2022, again, his lone season with the Sun Devils, he posted 56 tackles, four and a half TFLs, and a sack and a half. Again, this isn't a big time producer of sacks, which is why he definitely feels more like he's going to end up being a nose tackle. But this, this isn't a bad thing. You're not placing Nesta Jade Silvera on the field, anticipating him to be a double-digit sack guy, you know? This isn't Marcel Darius or any other nose tackle that we have very rarely seen be able to put up those kind of numbers. Instead, Nesta is more of like that, that two-down run-stuffing option for the team, whoever he ends up with. And that's not a bad thing at all. It's still a very important piece of the defense. Taking a look at some notable accomplishments for him, of the three seasons that he was a starter, he recorded at least 35 sacks in those three seasons. And of course, a career-high 56 tackles with the Sun Devils. Now, he also was an honorable mention, not just for the All-Pac-12 team a year ago, but also for the All-ACC team during the 2020 season. He is a guy that people recognize as like an underrated player. 
his biggest thing that like, you know, quote unquote holds him back is the sack numbers. And he's not a guy that's going to generate a lot of sacks. He's a dude who you want to be in the middle of the defense to be able to open up opportunities for other guys. He's a good run defender, but not only that, he's a gap eater. So he's allowing the linebackers jerseys to stay clean so they can get into the backfield. We saw Merlin Robertson and Kyle Sully and the rest of the linebackers have good success when they were playing behind Nesta. He is just one of those guys. Let's go ahead and hop into the pros and cons here. Now, for the pros, we start with the quality size for a nose tackle. Again, at 6'2", 304 pounds, he might even have some room to add some more weight to his frame. He carries it very well. He's not fat. The dude is built. He's got a tummy, obviously, but I mean, it's not like this is some giant like slob that's on the field. He carries 304 pounds very well. I think to the point where he could he could maybe add on 5, 10, maybe even 15 more pounds. I don't know. And he's strong too. He definitely has that kind of conversion to himself where he's able to get off the snap very quickly and is able to disrupt whatever poor guard or center is up against him. That's the next thing here is he's got what's like above average short area burst. What I mean by that is off the line, boom. He is already engaged with the offensive lineman in front of him, and he's just nasty. That leads me to the next thing. He can anchor. This is a powerful guy who's able to hold down a spot. He is able to not be moved off very, very consistently. He's also a really quick dude. Like He's able to navigate the line of scrimmage and figure out where the play is going. So not only is he strong, but he's also quick. He's got good game recognition. The next thing I want to talk about is as a run defender, he's able to open up gaps for the linebackers. That's something I already alluded to is he's just able to take on at least the guy he's up against. I'm curious if he can take on doubles at the next level at his size. I'm not going to put that on him just yet, but it'll be something to watch for sure. But he's a good run defender by himself. He's even better at opening things up. And finally, this is a dude that's a competitor. And what I mean by that is he's not interested in being your friend. He is there to play his heart out for 60 minutes, maybe 70. Like he is absolutely on the field to kick your, you know what he is not interested in being friends with the opponents. There's no better example of this than against USC this year, where Caleb Williams took off down the sideline, ran out of bounds and Nesta Jade Silvera. I don't, if you haven't seen this, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Cause we're sun devils. It's disrespectful. If you're a USC fan takes a water bottle and just pff, squirts it at him. Like, what are we doing here? First of all, he's lucky that wasn't called as like a, like a personal foul of like just poor sportsmen. What what's the actual thing? Um, not it's not taunting. Um, I, just whatever the penalty is called for her poor sportsmanship. I I'm totally drawing a blank. But yeah, he's not there to be your friend. He's there to do his job, and he does his job very well. But with that being said, getting to the cons of him, I mentioned this before, but this is a two down player. Like, I don't see him being able to be, be on the defensive line for all three downs or all four downs or just really throughout the drive. He feels like a rotational guy right now. Not to say he can't de develop into that, but coming into the league, this is a two-down guy, and there's just not a lot of pass rushing upside. And again, for a nose tackle, you're not necessarily looking for that. But three and a half sacks, 
throughout his college career is not exactly, you know, productive. Like you would hope that he can average a sack a year and he, he wasn't able to do that. Like it is what it is. Again, I I'll go to bat here. Cause I am a firm nose tackle lover. Like if you ask me my NFL opinions of the nose tackle, I think that there's three guys that should get to the hall of fame because they played the nose tackle spot. If you want to know who they are, you'll have to come up and talk to me sometime about it. And I'd be happy to share but I will spoil that Haloni Nada is one of those guys, very obviously. Back to talking about Nesta Jade Silvera now. Uh, one of the other weaknesses that I feel he has here is like the block shedding and kind of the pad level that he goes with. Is I feel like there's times where he plays really high. He kind of gives up his chest, and while he doesn't get moved off his spot, he still allows the offensive lineman to be able to somewhat control the rep just in the sense of like, not able to get pushback or anything. Don't get, look when Nesta hits you with a bull rush, he's very difficult to stop, but just about anything else. Like he just doesn't have a lot of pass rushing moves. That leads me to my next thing is outside of the aforementioned pat or bull rush. He doesn't necessarily have a full toolbox to be able to disengage with blockers. If they're able to grapple onto him and a ref can be controlled that way. So he's got to be able to take on some, some some training and some coaching at the next level to be able to open up his his pass rushing abilities and be able to get off those spots. The final thing here, and again, I can't echo this enough because nose tackles are people too, but he is likely limited to being a nose tackle. And at that point, that's not going to be where teams are truly going to value you. The nose tackle spot feels like a luxury at times for teams. A lot of teams don't worry about that. Like they'd rather run like two edge rushers and like a defensive tackle or two defensive tackles. They there's not a lot of teams that really employ the 300 pound plus nose tackles on the field anymore. It's just not as important a position as it once was, or if it ever was, honestly, like, you just kind of look at Nesta Jade Silvera and you have to realize, you know, this kid's a little bit limited here. There's there's not too much here that really screams like future Pro Bowler or anything like that. I still like Nesta, but that's just my analysis of him. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You got to try this. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier and make better snack choices, and you don't want to compromise on taste, then I've got just the thing for you. It's Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they're so amazing, you won't think they're good for you. You gotta try this. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. You heard me right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, and more. And I'm just, I don't know how Built does it. But these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is they're healthy. They have just 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now you don't even need to wait around for a box. You know, for years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specific flavors at Built.com. So if you want to head to your nearest Walmart today, Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can get a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in, get a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, puff, 
and Churro Puff. You can thank me later. Get yourself a great tasting protein bar. Get yourself the difference with Built Bar. You got to try this. If you guys are not aware yet, the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special is here. It's bigger than ever. Follow along. All 32 teams' first pick in a six-episode mock draft experience only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available on Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let's get back into our conversation looking at the draft prospects for the Arizona State Sun Devils heading into the 2023 NFL, NFL Draft. The final player I have listed that I feel confident in being drafted is Xavier X Valade. Valade put on an absolute stunning show during the 2022 season. He has a very underrated career too. As a five foot 11, 199 pound running back, according to the measurements from the pro day, he plays strong, but we'll, we'll get into it. We'll, we'll get there. Let's go ahead and just start with the numbers, which are incredibly impressive all by itself. In a five-year career, he ran for 4,466 yards, a whopping 5.3 yards per carry, 35 rushing touchdowns. Was just as good a receiver, 88 receptions, 873 yards, so, you know, 9.9 yards per reception and four more touchdowns. In 2022, his lone season with the Sun Devils, he saved his best for last. He ran for 1,192 yards, a whopping 5.5 yards per carry, 16 rushing touchdowns, a record at Arizona State for a single season rushing touchdown. Um, 37 catches, 289 yards. Again, pretty rock solid for the yards per reception and two more touchdowns. So we had 18 touchdowns this year as an Arizona State Sun Devil. Looking at his accomplishments, he is one of a pretty big handful of players to rush for 4,000 career yards in his career. I say like a, a decent-sized hand, handful because you got to remember just the unlimited, feel, seemingly unlimited amount of college football players that have played the running back position. It is still a pretty elite club to be able to rush for 4,000 yards in your career, and he did it. He also has 5,000 scrimmage yards. You count those receiving yards as well. In the five years, he had three 1,000-yard seasons. He had a year that was shortened because of COVID, and he only played five games. And if he had played the full season, he was going to have another 1,000-yard year. Regardless, 3,000-yard seasons in five, in five years, pretty good. You can't complain about that. And the most impressive part is in all five seasons he played, he averaged per carry a minimum of 5.1 yards per carry. So the 5.3 yards per carry he had for his career stacks up with the fact that in all five seasons he played, he was always averaging 5.1 or more yards per carry. That's insane. Now let's go ahead and hop into the pros and cons that I have here. We'll start with the pros, obviously. This is an effective runner with really good field vision. He is definitely that one cut kind of runner. Uh, he really doesn't dance in the backfield. He sees a hole, he explodes through it. And I mean, he explodes through it. This is not a 4-3 runner. This is not a 4-2 runner. But he's still a guy that when he's he finds an opening, he is he's one of those like classic quicker than he is fast. And he just blows right through. He's able to get the big chunk yard plays. He didn't he didn't have any like 
huge, like 70, 80 yard touchdown runs uh, this past year for Arizona state, but he was a chunk play guy. Like he, it felt like at least once a game, he was getting a 20 yard run. Like you just felt so confident that Valade was going to be able to break off something special at any given moment. The one cut style that he has means that he's not sitting there in the backfield, dancing, shaking. Oh, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? He, when he finds his opening, his crease, he goes through it. He makes something happen. This is obviously the next point here, a proven bell cow. He has a ton of carries in his career with the 4,466 yards. He managed, I believe, 800 carries, something in that, something to that degree. But I mean, he was a bell cow at Wyoming. He was a bell cow at Arizona State. The teams were not afraid to give him the rock. And remember at Arizona State, they had some decent depth at the running back position with Daniel Legata and Tevin White there as well. And they still were so confident in giving the ball to Valade and just saying, you know what, do what you want. You're going to get 20 carries, 20 touches a game. They were confident in him. This, this again, is just a guy who you feel very comfortable letting him, no pun intended, run your offense for you. Another thing, I mentioned this a little bit ago, but the acceleration, he's quicker than he is fast. The moment he sees a hole, he blows right through it. This is also a dude who is no stranger to the end zone. 39 career touchdowns, 18 of them came with his lone season at Arizona State. And I have a feeling that if he had played for the Sun Devils longer, maybe even just one more year, he would be able to get close to 50 touchdowns. I think he could manage 11 in one more year of college football. Last pro here, this is a plus fast catcher. He is a very confident and competent receiver out of the backfield. I think that there's some upside here for him to be more of a route runner and actually be able to do more stuff than just getting the ball out of the backfield in little flat routes or curl routes or not slants, but angle routes, stuff like that. I think that there's an ability and an upside here for Validate to be a more complete receiver out of the backfield. He sure certainly he certainly shows that capability but of course there are some negatives here with validate this is an older prospect at running back and not only is he an older prospect but he's got mileage i was talking about i couldn't figure out the carries i literally have it right here he's got a lot of mileage he's got 841 carries 929 total touches in five seasons wyoming and arizona state weren't weren't shy about making him a bell cow but NFL teams are going to see this. They're going to be like, Ooh, how much tread does he still have? Like you're going to have to have a conversation about how much investment you want to put into a guy that had nearly a thousand touches in college and played five years in college with today's NFL running back shelf lives just aren't what they used to be. And you're going to have a lot of guys that are coming out of college now that at the running back position that only play two at, at most three years. They want to get out of there as soon as they can because they realize that their their lifespan in the NFL is short, especially for guys that get drafted in the first round. Like, uh, who's a recent example? Like Saquon Barkley. Uh, teams that draft running backs in the first round are going to run you into the ground. They want to get four years out of you, maybe five, depending on how good you are. And they typically don't want to give you a second contract. They just want to get what they can and then move on and draft the next kid. So this plays against Valaday as he had five seasons in college 
and he racked up the carries. This is going to make teams kind of a little hesitant to pull the trigger on him very high. Now, the other thing, I mentioned earlier that he's a one-cut runner. The problem with that is if the blocking's not there, there's times where he's just not overly creative. And there's times where he's running into his offensive lineman trying to get something going. A lot of people want to be Le'Veon Bell in his prime, where they can sit there in the backfield and it feels like they just hold still and don't move until they see something and then they explode. Feels like there's times where you see that with Valaday. Is he he's looking for something to open up and he doesn't see it and he just forces it. He's just trying to get anything out of nothing, unfortunately. And the last negative that I have here, he definitely feels like a more upright runner. I did mention earlier that he's definitely not afraid to make contact, but don't confuse him with a power back. Like he's definitely not that guy who's going to be trucking people consistently. He's no Marshawn Lynch. He's no Derrick Henry, but I mean, he's not even like a, like a Doug Martin. When Martin came out, he definitely had a little bit of power to his game. Maurice Jones drew and Valaday's bigger than those guys, but he just doesn't have that upside as a power back. Again, that's not a bad thing at all because Valaday's overall play is able to outshine the inability to truck guys and run them over. Not a big deal. Overall, I feel like Valaday is a good running back prospect by itself. The problem he's going to run into is whether or not teams are going to like truly value him because of the wear and tear that he has on him from playing so long in college. All right. Thank you guys, as always, for making the Locked on Sunables your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers. On tomorrow's episode of the show, we have to take a look at the at the transfer portal that is affecting Arizona State Sun Devils basketball. There's guys that are moving out and guys that are moving in. We got to catch you up on all of that. So tomorrow's episode. All right. I picked three more guys to talk about here, and we're going to rapid fire through them as like the best of the rest. Guys who I think could be drafted, but I'm not incredibly confident. But the bottom line is with these three guys, I do believe that they should be like priority free agents if they do go undrafted. We start with Kyle Sully, a dude who's got the size to play at the next level. He's 6'3", according to his his weigh-in at the, at the pro day for the team. He definitely felt more like a 6'4 linebacker during this past year. 235 pounds, but I mean a productive guy. Had 100 tackle, excuse me, 110 tackle season last year, just shy of 200 tackles over the last two years, but he's a good form tackler too. Like this is a guy that you feel very confident in his ability to wrap up, not let guys go, just take care of business and overall be a good, reliable tackler in the middle of the field. He definitely has a clear understanding of the position. He knows what he needs to do. He knows where he needs to be. There's great football IQ here. He's a very smart kid. And again, with good size and starting experience the last two years, I think that there's a little more than meets the eye here with Sully. But with that in mind, there definitely are some cons here. Of course, there are with every player. The athletic upside here doesn't feel like it's overly high. As a 6'3", 235-pound listed linebacker, He's not a freak athlete, and because of that, he's going to play closer to his size. He is lanky. He doesn't move as fast as other guys on the field. He's not able to, you know, cut around and and jump higher than other guys or 
be able to house it when he's get interceptions and uh, fumble recovery, stuff like that. He's just a little more limited than other guys. And that could make him more of a special teams player than it does make him a, a actual like starter on the field and stuff like that. And speaking of which the, the sideline, the sideline pursuit, it's definitely limited because again, this isn't a, a plus athlete. He's average. He does things very well. He's just limited by what he's actually able to do and right, wrong, or indifferent. That matters to NFL teams. You see more athletes drafted now that are able to do more things physically than the classic guys that we used to see. Like I almost wonder if Kyle Sully would be a highly sought after guy back in like the fifties or sixties or seventies back when you didn't have these dynamic athletes that are in the league right now. Be very interesting to see how he would stack up back then, but obviously we never will get to see that. And then the last con I have here, he's he's comfortable in coverage, but he's definitely more below average in that category. And what I mean is I feel like he's overall confident in his skills. We I talked about his clear understanding, his football IQ. I think he knows what he needs to do, but actually executing it, there's there's times where it doesn't feel like everything is clicking for him. Again, I feel like that really ties into the athleticism that teams actually care about, which makes me wonder if he's draftable. The next guy is a little bit of a better athlete, Merlin Robertson. Kyle Soley's partner in crime, a starter for the Sun Devils for the last five years, and a guy who has shown terrific upside. And that's where we start is that freshman year, man, that was a special year that had us thinking this was a future first round pick. He displayed such a high ceiling and we were all thinking that this was going to be maybe the next Vontaze perfect at linebacker for us. That was going to make it to the pros and was going to be a stud. He showed the ability to rush the passer. He had good pass coverage. He was a solid tackler. He just did a little bit of everything for you. What I really like about him is there's a bit of scheme versatility with him and he could definitely be a quality special teams player. He played star linebacker or defensive back for the team. Uh, star specifically, he didn't actually play corner or safety. He played the star role. He played middle linebacker. He played the outside roles as a Will and Sam. Like He's a guy that you can move around like a nice chess piece and kind of figure out where he's most comfortable at that next level and just allow him to do his thing. But he's also a good special teams player at the next level. We didn't get too much experience with that during his college days, but we all know that if you want to be able to stick with an NFL team, more often than not, you're going to have to show off the ability on special teams to be a reliable guy that's worth hanging on to. And I think that Robertson can give that for you. And at 6'3", 240 pounds, right about the same build that Kyle Sully came in at, he's got NFL size. Here's the cons. I talked about that freshman year. He never took a step forward. He never went from a lot of upside to reaching that upside. He felt like he plateaued in a best case scenario. There were times where he just wasn't as good as he was as a freshman. And unfortunately, when you reach your ceiling that quickly, NFL teams are going to look at you and they're like, this is a really low level guy. It's it's there's no ceiling here. It's a decent floor, but can we really get him to be a pro bowler player? And that's just feels like it's not the case for Merlin. But again, this is a good player. Don't get me wrong. And this is not 
Merlin Robertson slander. This is not Kyle Sully slander. This isn't slander for any of these guys when I go over the cons. Just being objective here. Uh, he also just hasn't put together a consistent season. Now, what I mean by that is there's years where he doesn't have any interceptions, but he has a handful of sacks. And then there's years where he doesn't have a handful of sacks, but he's got some interceptions. And there's years where he looks comfortable in coverage, and there's years where he doesn't. The one thing he does have, I feel very confident in him as a run run defender nine times out of ten. But when you're not able to consistently be consistent, again, these are things that matter to NFL teams. They want reliability. It feels like Robertson just can't put everything together. I think that there's an ability to do a little bit of everything. He's like a jack of all trades, but a master of none, not able to put everything together. And similar to Kyle Sully, the last thing I want to mention here, there's definitely room to improve in pass coverage. Uh, pass coverage in general for linebackers can be difficult, but Robertson and Sully definitely need a little more improvement. For what it's worth, I think Robertson is a better athlete, but he's he's not like this, this freaky kind of guy, which does limit him a little bit. So that's just the thing with him, I would suppose. Last guy I want to mention here, Corey Bethley. Yes, I am biased. I didn't even get to interview him. And I'm I'm still such a big Corey Bethley fan. Corey, if you're if you're listening for some reason, you are always welcome on the Locked on Sun Levels podcast. And I'm probably your number one fan. Anyways, here's the pros and cons for him. Looking at the pros, he's got a lot of experience. He played four years at Hawaii. He played one year at Arizona State. He was a starter for the Sun Devils. He was a starter for the Rainbow Knights, something like that. I can't remember Hawaii's team. My apologies. I don't watch a lot of Hawaii football. But he's got a lot of playing experience, not only as a starter, but just getting on the field in general. And he's got some versatility. He's a quality slot player. He's got experience at safety. He can play the nickel. He can play near the line of scrimmage. He can play deep. He's able to be moved around. That also makes you think that he could be a special teams guy. And like I mentioned, that matters. It really, really does. He's a good tackler. I feel confident in him. There's the occasional lay the boomstick kind of plays that you see from him. And more than anything, this is the thing that I love. There's turnover potential here. He didn't have any interceptions with the Sun Devils last year, but granted, this wasn't a Sun Devils team that had a ton of interceptions. They had a solid year, but it wasn't like they were one of the best ball hawking teams in the league. There's definitely room to improve um, overall, but Bethley was a turnover machine at Hawaii. The year before he got to the Sun Devils, he had five interceptions in a year, and he's displayed that ability if he's placed in the right situation and you know, he's just able to focus on what he needs to do. I think that he can be a turnover guy. I do think that he can be interceptions. He can be forced fumbles, whatever. He's just got to be given that opportunity. Now the cons with him is it feels like he just kind of blends in with other defensive backs. Like when the NFL is going to be evaluating guys and they're trying to figure out who they should draft, who they need to pick up as priority free agents. I don't know that Corey Bethley is exceptional at any specific thing that he does that really stands out as like, a, you know, this guy's this guy's a big ball hawk. We should bring him in because he didn't have interceptions his last year at Arizona State. I think if he did, we'd be having a conversation about him being drafted. But not having interceptions when you've shown the ability to get those is a, is a little bit of a knock here. He's not 
an elite cover guy. He's not shut down. He's not locked down. He's a good tackler, a quality tackler. He's not an elite tackler. He's good in coverage. He's not elite in coverage. And when you don't have anything that stands out, it's similar to what I mentioned with Marlon, or not Marlon, Merlin Robertson. It's the exact same thing. He's a jack of all trades and a master of none. That's like the perfect definition for what Corey Bethley is. I love the little things he's able to do. There's just nothing he does as elite. And his final season, he was good for what Arizona State had. It was definitely underwhelming, especially when I I believed, and I'm sure other people did too, that he was going to be more of a difference maker than he actually was. This is also a guy that doesn't necessarily have a true position. Like, I don't look at him as a free safety, but I, I don't look at him as as a starting cornerback. Like, he feels like he's kind of locked into that nickel role. But at the same time, I don't necessarily want him covering slot receivers on every single snap. Like, I just don't know what to do with him for an NFL defense. He can do a little bit of everything. It just feels like if he could just perfect one thing, I'd, I'd feel more confident about what to do with him. But he, jack of all trades, master of none, to completely echo myself. The final thing, and this is not Corey Bethley's fault. No one outside of Arizona State knows who he is. I see no media outlets talking about him. I see no scouting reports. I see no... NFL, um, what's it called? Draft Twitter. Draft Twitter doesn't talk about him. There's no guys that are like, Corey Bethley's my sleeper. There aren't any. And that's not a Corey Bethley problem. But unfortunately, if you don't have any buzz, uh, short of like an NFL team making him their best kept secret and sending scouts to be watching him on a consistent basis, not being known might play against Corey Bethley. And it could potentially derail what could be an NFL future for him. It's just unfortunate that that's the name of the game is just not being known. It's part of why junior college kids will transfer to big name programs is because the junior college to NFL pipeline is so minuscule. It's better for them to get to bigger programs. And Corey Bethley tried to do that. He went from Hawaii to playing with Arizona state. It just, unfortunately he wasn't able to do enough in his only year with the team. If he had a second season at Arizona State, I think he could generate more conversation. But unfortunately, that just wasn't in the folds. For what it's worth, I have three more names written down here just to keep an eye on. I didn't do any scouting reports on them. But Brian Thompson, wide receiver, uh, Trevez Moore, edge rusher, and Tamarcus Davis as the corner. I think they're worth being noted, but I just don't know that there's really a true NFL future for those guys. But that is going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Sun Levels podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Wherever you're getting your podcast, hit like and subscribe and turn on notifications. Wherever you are looking for your content, you can find me at Twitter at RichieBrats36 and the podcast as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. Let me know who you're rooting for in the NFL draft. Let me know which Sun Devils you want to see on which teams, if you want them on your team or if you think they're destined to be another guy, another team. Let me know what you think in the comments. But until next time, you keep it locked right here. Unlocked on Sun Levels.